Good morning. I'm James Homan from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Thursday, September 13th. In today's news, Hurricane Florence could bring 40 inches of rain to parts of North Carolina. President Trump diverted $10 million away from FEMA disaster preparedness to deportation efforts. And Paul Manafort's on-again, off-again talks for a plea deal with Bob Mueller are back on. But first, the big idea. Democrats are pummeling Republican gubernatorial and Senate candidates across the country over a pending lawsuit by 20 GOP-led states that could allow insurance companies to stop covering people with pre-existing medical conditions. The issue is being highlighted in more pro-Democratic commercials on television right now than any other issue, underscoring how the politics of Obamacare have changed, even in red states. A new ad going up today in Michigan attacks Attorney General Bill Schuette, the GOP nominee for governor there, for being a plaintiff in several lawsuits that have sought to kill the Affordable Care Act. Several people talk about how they have pre-existing conditions. Then a narrator jumps in. But as Attorney General, Bill Schuette supported Congress's plan to take away protections for people with pre-existing conditions. Schuette would let insurance companies deny people coverage when they need it most. That's from a group affiliated with the Democratic Governors Association. Just yesterday, the Democratic nominee for governor in Ohio, Richard Cordray, launched his own attack ad against his opponent, Ohio Attorney General Mike DeWine, for the exact same thing. In his ad, a man named Bob Jacobson from Columbus speaks directly to camera. When I heard that I had stage four cancer, it was like getting hit with a bat. My medications right now keep me alive. If I had no health insurance, the medication would cost me $8,000 a month. When I heard on his first day as Attorney General that Mike DeWine had sued to eliminate pre-existing conditions coverage from health insurance, it made me furious. Also yesterday, a progressive group called Stronger Wisconsin launched an attack on Scott Walker with a local woman talking about how she might die if she loses coverage. If Scott Walker takes away the protections for pre-existing conditions, I won't be able to afford the treatments that are saving my life. One of the most memorable commercials of 2012 was when West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin shot a copy of the cap-and-trade bill with a rifle. In a new ad he put out last week, Manchin instead shoots a copy of the lawsuit that could end coverage for pre-existing conditions. His opponent, West Virginia Attorney General Patrick Morrissey, is one of the plaintiffs. Here's Manchin. Now the threat is Patrick Morrissey's lawsuit to take away health care from people with pre-existing conditions. He is just dead wrong, and that ain't going to happen. There are many other ads in places like Missouri, North Dakota, and Indiana. And a poll published last week by the nonpartisan Kaiser Family Foundation shows why. 75% of Americans say it is very important that the ACA's protections for pre-existing conditions remain. 52% of the public is very worried that they or someone in their family will have to pay more for health insurance. And 41% are very worried that they will lose their coverage if the court overturns these protections. Numbers like these are why Republicans have been changing their tune. Schuette, the GOP candidate for governor in Michigan, announced yesterday that he will not try to undo Michigan's expansion of Medicaid coverage if he's elected governor. He said it's the law of the land now and it's not going anywhere. This is remarkable because earlier this summer, he ran attack ads against his opponent in the Republican primary, attacking him for holding that same position. 
What changed since the primary? A poll published the day before yesterday from the Detroit News shows that Schuette is trailing Democratic candidate Gretchen Whitmer by 14 points. She's made protecting coverage for pre-existing conditions a centerpiece of her campaign. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Hurricane Florence is shaping up as the most dangerous tropical cyclone to hit the region in a generation. The storm will begin to lash the Carolinas today with powerful winds and violent surf. Its maximum sustained winds weakened modestly on Wednesday. But though it downgraded to a Category 3 hurricane and later to a Category 2 storm, it simultaneously expanded in size. Its hurricane-force winds extend 70 miles from the center of the eye, and its cloud field is four times the size of Ohio. Forecasters warn that when it nears land, it could shift to low gear and then meander unpredictably along the coast, sucking energy from the warm ocean as it pounds coastal communities. The forecast right now calls for 20 to 30 inches of rain in most of coastal North Carolina, with some areas getting as much or more than 40 inches. The storm could also reverse direction early next week and head north as a weakened but soggy system that drops rain on Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Washington, D.C. Number two. Apropos of nothing, the Trump administration quietly diverted $10 million in funding away from FEMA disaster preparedness earlier this year. The money instead went to Immigrations and Customs Enforcement in order to ramp up deportations. The reallocation of public money is documented in a notification that was sent to Congress by the Department of Homeland Security. It was made public by Democratic Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon. Meanwhile, the number of migrant families arrested along the U.S. border spiked by almost 40 percent in August. This increase followed Trump's decision to back off his zero-tolerance crackdown that separated children from their parents. Court-imposed restrictions also now limit the duration that children may be detained in immigration jails. Trump's people at DHS say that means migrant parents are now bringing their children as a way to win quick release from government custody. Number three. Former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort has been engaged in off-and-on-again plea negotiations with Bob Mueller's team since his conviction last month in Alexandria, raising the possibility that he will agree to a deal before the start of his second federal trial in D.C. Manafort has been unwilling so far to cooperate with Mueller on what he wants, which is new information or testimony in the ongoing Russia investigation, specifically what President Trump himself knew about efforts to collude, if there was collusion, with the Kremlin. Manafort's behavior has led some top law enforcement officials to suspect that he's secretly counting on a pardon from Trump, or maybe he's even received private assurances that he could get one if he holds out and doesn't flip. If Manafort pleads guilty without cooperating on the Russia probe, both he and the prosecution will still have plenty to gain. Manafort, who's already poised to go to prison for years based on what he was convicted of last month, could duck the cost of paying his legal team for the second trial. The second trial accuses him of working as an agent of foreign governments without properly registering. The last trial was about tax and bank fraud. For prosecutors, a deal, even without cooperation on Russia, would be a public victory. It would also avoid the risk of losing at a second trial. And it could let Mueller divert resources to other cases that he's pursuing. And that's The Daily 202 for Thursday, September 13th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.